Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to our latest Outsports podcast. It is, well, we're, we're nearing the, the end of February, February 26th, two days left, shortest month of the year. It is weird that we have this one month with 28 days. Why don't they just, why don't they just make two of the 31-day months 30 days? Why don't they just take, take December and May and make them 30 days? Do you know why, Jim? Uh, yeah, oh God, I read it years ago. I totally forgot why, but February is my least favorite month of the year, so uh, it could be eight days for all I care. <laughs> well, first of all, thrilled to say that today's episode is brought to you by AT&T, mobilizing your world. AT&T is now sponsoring our Outsports podcast, as as well they should, but, but happy to have them on board. Uh, why, is it your, why is February your least favorite month? Well, I think part of it, as a sports fan, I'm a huge NFL fan, and so the NFL's over, and there's it's kind of the deadest sports month. I mean, NBA, NHL are in the kind of their slog. Baseball hasn't started yet. College basketball is in its sort of pre-tournament stuff, and it's just not a whole lot going on that really gets you excited except for the Olympics every four years. So it just sort of has, from a sports standpoint, and we're a sports website, it sort of has that kind of just generally blah feeling about it that, you know, there's nothing exciting going on. Yeah, it's a couple of all-star games. The the NCAA, the the, the conference tournaments haven't started yet for bas for basketball. And yeah, I you're right. This kind of spring training is is just barely getting started. So yeah, it's kind of like it's uh it's kind of what July is. Like February and July are just kind of the two dead months. Right after yeah, but July at least has sort of a vacation-y and... aspect to it. There's the 4th of July. It has, you know, uh, and for a lot of people, you know, who don't live in Los Angeles, February is also this brutally cold, you know, awful month. I was back east New York and Pennsylvania last weekend, and I could now I realize why I moved to Los Angeles. I mean, it was so cold, and I kept forgetting how you have to dress in layers and just going outside and, you know, is a process. You know, and so for people who live in most of the country, February is also just a lousy weather time. At least in July, you can kind of go outdoors and do whatever. So, but yeah, as your original question, there there was a re- reason for it. I think it has something to do with how the calendar was first set up. And I remember they had a squeeze or created a new month and squeezed it in. So, but it's it's a mystery. So I guess go to Wikipedia and it'll tell you uh, everything you probably need to know and probably some stuff that's not true. So. Yes, Wikipedia February. Well, <laughs> there there has not been a shortage of of headlines for us this month. One of which has been a kind of a talk story. Actually, it, it wasn't quite as big as I thought it was gonna be. Michael Sam going to Dancing with the Stars, as I'm sure most of you know. Michael Sam is the openly gay NFL player who was on a couple of pra- uh, practice was on the. Well, he's with the Rams during training camp in the preseason. Then he was with the Cowboys practice squad. And since the middle of October, has not been able to latch onto a team. And an opportunity came along for him to do Dancing with the Stars. And he took it. 
saying that football still is number one priority, but you know he can fit this in while he trains during the off season. What was? I, I'm sure, Jim, your initial reaction as as most people were, even mine. My initial reaction was, oh, oh no, is this going to be good? Has has that changed at all for you? Is it reading the reactions of other people? Has anything swayed it for you? Well, I think to me, it just seems like it's a pretty clear sign that he's not going to be in the NFL, or he doesn't think he's going to be in the NFL this year. Because, yeah, you can have more than one interest and all that, but it's kind of disingenuous to say football is your number one priority uh, and then do this. But I I don't blame him. I mean, I read somewhere they pay $100,000 per episode. So regardless, he's going to make money. And right now he has no NFL offers. And the odds of one coming up kind of seem like it's getting slimmer by the day because these future contracts have been mostly given out. So that was a sign to me. Uh, And I heard people I talked to about it kind of said, oh, well, he's just, you know, he's clearly not going to be in football this year. And I I think that's my sense, too, because regardless of what, what one may think about, you know, can one do two things equally well at the same time, there's a damn perception issue that you're going to have with, well, is this guy committed to football? Other guys who've done Dancing with the Stars are already established players. So the, the sign to me was he ain't going to be in the NFL. He might be in the CFL. But I can't say I blame him. If you're throwing a lot of money at you and your job prospects are slim, who am I to tell him to turn down a couple hundred thousand dollars? It's crazy. He got, what did he make from the Rams last year, 40-something in bonus? and you know, Yeah. They don't get Probably paid for the preseason. Yeah, but he got, you know, whatever the whatever uh, money he got from being on a Cowboys practice squad, maybe he made 70000 a year, maybe. Yeah, so Cowboys, he got $6,000 a week, so he got 42000 from the Cowboys. And then, yeah, 40000 or so maybe from the Rams. And and he got a couple of, you know, very small endorsement deals. But, you know, like like most professional athletes, they realize, Michael, I think, realizes he's got to make his money in the next three to four years. That's, that's the window for these guys. And, uh, and, and I, I don't blame him at all. And, and in fact, I just, I just don't think it, 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 it might, I don't think it hurts him football wise, certainly perception wise. It does a lot of, you know, football people um, like uh, Mike Golick is a good example. He, he wasn't, he wasn't negative about it at all. He was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know how well he's going to be prepared for that veteran combine. It was more like, a, well, let's really get down to the, the nitty-gritty of this. And, you know, Michael swears that he's he's been working out for two months with Michael Johnson Performance Center in Dallas, and obviously he's uh, he's going to be living in L.A. now, and, and he's going to be training here. So, you know, I, I think that I think we're going to find out how much of an effect it had at the veteran combine, assuming – he gets invited, and then right afterwards, seeing how if he if he gets one of these offers, it's just crazy that he doesn't have the futures contract right now. Well, I think the Dance with the Stars starts the 16th, and um, the combine's the 22nd. So no, we don't even know if he's invited yet, right? Is that we still don't know? Right. Yeah. They. I, I don't. I don't think they've invited anybody yet. Oh, got it. Okay. Which is totally crazy. That's <laughs> yeah, three weeks away. Yeah, it's three weeks. So, but but it's you know yeah, I have to believe that they're going to invite him. I think one, it doesn't look great if they 
don't. I mean, people people are scratching their heads as to why this guy is not in the NFL. And I think the front office wants him to be on an active roster. And and two, he kind of is the perfect candidate. I mean, when during the rookie combine, it was two weeks after he'd come out, he was clearly distracted. But at that at that rookie combine, he fall started the forty yard dash three times. His his performance was not good, and then a month later he did m- much better at his pro day. You know, further out from the announcement, so I think he's just the perfect candidate for that. And the question is, will the league shy away from him because he's now on this show on ABC? You know, it seems to me that it's a no lose proposition to invite him because if he does not do well, then it reinforces the people, okay, maybe he's not good enough. And if he does really well, then it may open some eyes. So I'm not even sure there's any downside to inviting him from the NFL because this is a very last-chance combine. I mean, these are people who, you know, are kind of hoping they'll even get a look. So it doesn't hurt them to invite him. So I'd be puzzled if he didn't get an invitation because all all it can do is show, hey, this guy can – this guy might be, you know, more legitimate than we thought. Let's give him another look, or otherwise, it might just confirm. Well, he doesn't fit what we want. So, who actually issues these invitations? Is this an NFL thing? Is it a league office? Do teams? I mean, I'm, I guess you probably know about this. I'm a little confused by the combine process. From what I understand, it's the it's the league. But of course, you have to understand the league represents the teams. So, if there's a team who wants somebody there or doesn't want somebody there, then I think that will affect the league's decision. What's weird is that what I don't know is, could teams have players in for tryouts right now and workouts? That, that I'm not sure. Michael, Michael hasn't even been able to get a call for a workout since the middle of October. Well, that, they're signing players. That, I mean, players are being cut and signed, so activity's happening. So he can clearly be signed by somebody. He can be signed, but I don't know, you know, with the union, I don't know if you can just have somebody in to work them out. Hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how it all works. But, you know, suffice it to say, and I think that, you know, a few people have talked about him going to the CFL. It was one of the questions I asked people at the Super Bowl. And I think that, you know, the, the CFL is not a bad option for him. Again, when I and, – and, and, when I talked to Gil Brandt, Gil Brandt thought that was the, the best option for him. That, that was even a better option for him than going and, you know, doing what Ethan Westbrooks did, the guy who beat out Michael Sam. Ethan Westbrooks got in a couple of games this year. Yeah, he was on an NFL roster, but he wasn't on the active roster for all but like four or five games. He only played a few snaps. He didn't look great because he's hard to get into a rhythm. And so it's almost better for Michael to just – go to the CFL and get a full season. I mean, he could end up starting in the CFL, certainly get a lot of playing time. And especially if he doesn't have any other options. If he really wants to continue to play football and he ain't invited to an NFL thing, what what other option does he have? The CFL will not hurt him. What would hurt him more would be to not play any football for almost the equivalent of, you know, two years or a year and a half. So... Yeah, I, I think that if he doesn't wind up getting an NFL um, offer, it seems like a no-brainer to go to the CFL if that's what he wants to do. It's going to be good for them. I mean, it'll be attention for the CFL. It'll get them some publicity. 
and it gives him a chance to play football, and other players have done it. Um, I mean, Doug Flutie was someone, Warren Moon was another person, Cameron Wake was more akin to Michael, a pass rusher star with the Dolphins who, you know, nobody wanted, wasn't good enough, blah, 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 goes to the CFL and really, and re- and really excelled. So um, what was interesting about the reaction is how little the reaction to the Dancing with the Stars is, and I think it's sort of a sign that people are sort of have moved on from the Michael Sam story for now because there's not much there that we had the anniversary in February 9th, but it's kind of like there's not much new people can say about it that's not already been said, and I think this is another example that, you know, what's what's the big not a big deal because he doesn't even have an NFL job, so he's not even in a, he's not even an NFL player right now, so he can do what he wants to do. Yeah, and it's funny people talk about the priority, and even you questioned, you know, he said his number one priority is football, and and you question whether it is, and I think I think professionally his number one priority is football. But his number one priority in life, my guess, is putting food on his table, paying his rent. And I think that that the decision to be on the Dancing with the Stars comes from that. Yes, you're pay, paying the bills and eating food are a higher priority than playing in the NFL uh, right now. But I think professionally, he, he wants to be in the NFL, and he wants to play football, and he wants to go hit people. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens, and it'll be interesting to see how he does on Dancing with the Stars. I'm I'm actually really curious to see, because I remember when Michael Irvin, when he was on it, the big issue was he couldn't move his hips. Mm-hmm. He just was kind of stiff, and Michael, one of the NFL complaints about him is he can't move his hips. You know, he can't be in one of those outside linebackers, so mm-hmm. it, it'll be curious to see if he can dance. Yeah, I'm not one to judge dancing, but... Uh... My hips are a <laughs> lot stiffer than Michael's. I think he's going to be popular. I mean, it's going to be a boost for the show because he's still a name. And, you know, um, my friend of mine who's a big dancer with the stars aficionado said he's been paired with a really good dancer. I forgot her name uh, because I don't watch the show. But so he they, they paired him with somebody good. Um, and I guess for them, the more longer he lasts on the show, the better it is for the show. Um and the better it is for him financially. Well, yeah, given that a lot of the people they have on there, I I, I have no idea who it is, but <laughs> who some of these people are. At least I know Michael Sam. Uh, another story that, that we just kind of hit today that uh, I, I stumbled across yesterday is this, uh, you know, last year at Erskine College we had these two volleyball players who are gay who came out there on the men's team. The team ended up after they came out, going to the NCAA tournament, which was only a six-team tournament in uh, Division One and Two, Division One and Two are combined in men's volleyball, and it's a six-team tournament. This week, the school has issued a statement on human sexuality, which forbids homosexuality at the school, and the school is now these these athletes are kind of now in limbo. They're trying to figure out what is their place at the school. I mean, it's a it's a Presbyterian school that did not have an anti-gay policy before they issued it this week, and now these two kids are kind of stuck. And uh, it it really is it's just amazing, you know, how a school that that is Presbyterian that in a lot of these places, not just schools, not just literature, but, but they're they're pushing back so hard against the gay agenda 
and I and I I wonder if we're going to start seeing more schools create proactive policies like this because you know the gays are trying to take over. Well, it's funny these two athletes are well regarded at the school. They're very popular. Their classmates accept them being gay. It really seems like this you know final throes of this old way of thinking that you know it seems archaic and. So how are they going to enforce this? Is a declaration that you're gay enough get them suspended, get them kicked out of school? It, the whole thing, it's like these politicians are so weird because they don't even make any sense from a practical standpoint. Well, and the school apparently doesn't quite know. Uh, one of the students talked to a school administrator today, and the administrator said, this is all new to us. This is we don't know what this is going to mean actual policy wise. They don't know how they're going to enforce it. They they really don't know. And and I know the kids are just kind of freaking out. Like and I'm and they can't be the only two at the school of about five hundred students. They can't be the only two who are LGBT because you know it also mentions gender identity in there in the policy. And and yeah, so it's just kind of in it just. It puts these kids and other people and administrators in limbo, not understanding what they're supposed to do with this now. And practically, it's like they're well-regarded students. As an administrator, you must be making you sick to your stomach if you think you have to maybe take some kind of action against two people who've done nothing wrong. Um, for somebody who decides this is a policy they want to enforce because it's God's law, and it's also ironic that it's very likely in three or four months, um, we'll have same-sex marriage legal in all 50 states. So you have this weird situation. Two gay people can get married, say, in the state of South Carolina, but you can't be openly gay at this school. It, it's kind of like really kind of baffling, and I'm not even sure why this is coming up now. Well, and it is legal currently in South Carolina. These two kids... It, they they don't date each other, but they could they could get married to one another if they wanted to. But they but the school does not want them, and and, and the school even says that it does not recognize uh, same sex marriage because that's not what what God wants. So it's it, it the the whole school is just going against this. You're right, this this national trend, and that was kind of my original question is. How much more of this, how far are these people who are anti-gay going to go? We saw the state of Arkansas pass a law that says not only is it legal to discriminate, it's illegal to create any policy that protects LGBT people in the state of Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, the same thing's happening in West far? Virginia. It's happening in other states. This is, the, this is the backlash now, and the backlash is cloaked in this whole religious freedom argument. You're infringing on my religious beliefs, you know, when you make me do X, Y, or Z. And so these legislatures, which are dominated more and more by conservatives, are passing these as a reaction to it. Um, I think the the short-term thing is it's going to, you know, it may have an impact long-term. These are going to be seen as relics pretty soon. But there are a lot of people involved, um, you know, who, who, who are having protections lost on them. And, you know, West Virginia is another state where you can get married, but you can be fired for being gay if this, if this bill passes in the House, and which is why we've always needed a national policy. And ENDA has come, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act has come tantalizingly close to passing many times. 
And yet it's still legal in large parts of this country to fire someone or not hire someone simply based on their sexual orientation. And I think we kind of lose sight of that when we celebrate all the gay marriage stuff. And you asked the, the reason this is coming, coming up now. It's because of the story that we did last year. When, when that, that's a big part of it. When, when we ran that story about these two kids, there were a lot of people who were angry at, at the college for allowing these openly gay students to represent the school. I saw it online. I got, uh. and I got emails. And there was clearly a push as a direct result of our story to, to make some kind of a statement that this is not okay. And so the, there's pressure on the board of trustees who you know, are a bunch of older people who clearly said, "Yep, this is the policy that this is this is the policy that we want enacted at the school." And now the administrators, again, a lot of them who are younger, who may have gay friends or family or may know Juan and Drew, are kind of left like, uh, "Really, we have to deal with this." So uh, they have a, they still have a lot of support at the school. Well, and the thing is, when you have a private school, if it doesn't, especially if it doesn't accept any federal money, it's not bound by a lot of the same protections that the uh, let's say, major universities have. So this kind of stuff can happen. I know at Kansas, they just did that at the state of Kansas, but University of Kansas still said its LGBT, you know, um, non-discrimination policies still hold despite what the state just passed. So you have the major schools that are really out in front of this issue, but you get a lot of these small religious schools, and they can kind of, in many ways, do what they want to um, because they're religious-based, and especially if they don't take any public money, they have the freedom as sort of a private organization to kind of accept or kick out whomever they want. So they may even have a basis to do this in the law, that, or nothing could stop them from doing it, let's put it that way. Oh, I, I think they can legally, the school can legally do this, but mm-hmm. it, it is going to cost them. They, they, uh, they are going to get a big backlash, and of course they'll get supported by some people, but I just believe that I, we know that the majority of Americans, we can debate about same-sex marriage or not, but the majority of Americans don't think that kids should be discriminated against because they're gay, that they, shouldn't, that they should be somehow pushed out of, off of a sports team. And that's going to be the end result of this, of this new policy of theirs. Just, it, it, makes me so, it makes me so angry because these kids are actually – like they're actually hurt by this. We can sit here in Los Angeles and oh, what's interesting and this terrible. Juan is really, really upset. They both are, and and that that that's what's tough. I don't blame them. I mean, you you live at this place, you know these people, and you're being singled out specifically, and it has to just be a just a gut wrenching experience to go through, <clears throat> and. Yet you also see the hypocrisy. Remember, Baylor had Brittany Griner, and it was against their bylaws to be, you know, homosexuality wasn't allowed. Everybody knew she was an out lesbian, but because she was Brittany Griner and made them a lot of money, they kind of looked the other way. They, you know, whatever reason they came up with their heads for it not to be an issue wasn't an issue. Um, So these schools can have these policies and then basically ignore them when it suits their own especially economic interests. So, but I feel for both these guys, and I hope there's enough support on campus and in, in the community that, that basically this kind of 
this kind of doesn't do anything to them, but you know, it's well, their ne- their next scheduled game is March third. What is that? Mm, Tuesday against Limestone College. That's a home game. I'm I'm just gonna be curious to see what happens at that game. And they have the two most prominent gay people on campus on the men's volleyball team. I'm just gonna be real curious to see what happens at that game. Well, I really hope this works out for them. Um, but yeah, this this stuff is going to happen, and they're going to be, in essence, casualties of this still in this country. Even if you know you look back 25 years and you say none of this stuff is happening anymore, but this has always happened with social justice. There's always been steps forward and then steps backward. So, but as long as the arc continues to bend in the positive direction, but you know, it's sad right now. Yeah. Well. We'll, we'll certainly keep tabs on on both of these stories. <laughs> Michael dancing and and these two kids in South Carolina dealing with bigotry on the uh, on the Erskine College campus. Um, but that's all the time we have today. Again, we want to thank AT and T. Brought today's episode is brought to you by AT and T, mobilizing your world. Uh, this is Sid Ziegler for Jim Bazinski at Outsports. We will talk to you next week.